everybody, and welcome to <laughs> The Gag, a spoof cast oh. where I, Joshua Simon, talk about what color blood is actually supposed to be, and why scary movies turn me into the gay, anxious gremlin I know and love. And today's <laughs> super special guest is a returning guest. Uh, you know him, you love him as the Encyclopedia Britannica. Uh, my mother... <laughs> My mother asked, where did he train his, his speaking voice is so lovely. I'm like, he trained at the International School of Being Frank Britain, because there's really no one like him. <laughs> it's Franklin, Roosevelt, Argento, Scorsese, Falchuk. <laughs> The third. The third. How are you? <laughs> Thank you. I'm good, Josh, and yourself? <laughs> I'm good. I'm so happy to have you back. I'm sad that Thank it's you. not in person. Yeah. But then, thank you, and thank you for your words in that intro, and of thank course. you for having me back. You're the you're the DC institution of all knowledge, and you're again just a fountain of information. And I get most of my news from you. I was telling you earlier <laughs> that you're America's most trusted news source here in the Mid Atlantic, <laughs> and I'm nowhere near a journalist. You know, I just go to the reputable sources and I you're read the articles and I it. post them. <laughs> I mean, where do you go to get your news usually? Usually, um, anything that's it's like in, like CNN or Reuters or Huffington Reuters Post or um, Associated Press, yeah, Associated Press sometimes, um, um, Al Jazeera sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, Who does NPR? Wash, wa yeah, NPR. Uh, I've been getting Washington. a lot of my news lately from NPR. I'm not enjoying the news, but I feel like yeah. it's important yeah to washington up to date. you know washington you know washington post um oh yeah yeah, yeah. any re reputable you know any blogs of of merit you know uh, there are people like, who will tell you that that wapo is not reputable now that it's owned by amazon <laughs> that's right i mean it's the paper that we grew up with i it it doesn't thrill me that they're owned by amazon but yeah is, is the new york times owned by amazon I, I, post, I share York a lot Times. of, I post quite a bit from the New York Times as well. What I've never uh, loved is that I don't have a subscription to print news because I was born after 1990. Um, so, oh God. sorry, I didn't mean to say it like that. <laughs> no, 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 it's a true extent. No, it just reminded me of a brother's <laughs> age. You know, I, no. was born, I was born in the 70s. I mean, I was born in, in the 90s, but I am now 197 years old. So, like, I age differently than everyone else. I'm the mm -hmm. crypt keeper. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to be Dame Joan Collins wearing her fabulous costumes from the 1972 film version. Mm. Child, she, was, she was laid. Her costumes, hair, everything. She was, she was sharp. She was sharp. Joan Collins in Tales from the Crypt is, is an entire aesthetic. Oh, my God. Just show murdered enough. my husband realness. Like show enough. Show enough. That is a form show of enough. drag. It is a it is high <laughs> drag. <laughs> Why has anyone done that yet? You know? <laughs> if you murdered your husband, you're a drag queen. Plain and simple. <laughs> I mean, it's like, where can I get those costumes? Where can I get those costumes? Even in Empire of the Ants, she had a great costume. Mm -hmm. I was like, I said, yes, Dame Joan. Yes. I love that you bring up Empire of the Ants. I a love classic. That. I I love that movie. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Great score, by the way. And um, yeah, it was just so ridiculous. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I um, love those, those nature horror movies. So Joan Collins made you gayer this week, obviously. 
In this exact moment, yes. Good. Yes. What else are in Jigaya this week? Mm. Did you see or do anything especially gay? Stuck in your home? You don't have to answer that too, no. honestly. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> no, no, I honestly haven't. I, I, um, no, I really haven't. I think what have this, you been, you know, um, what have you been gagging on to keep yourself sane through all this? Are you leaning into any old movies or TV shows? Well, try my best to have movie marathons with myself, you know, mm-hmm. since I'm only, you know, I'm, I live alone. You know, the only person I really talk to uh, on a daily basis is my mother. So she'll call me or I'll call her. Uh, and keeping in touch with friends via the social medias. Awesome. Uh, I, talk to, I talk to my sister on occasion. I need to call my niece and nephew. Um, yeah, now my, that this has been going on so long, I think it's really important to just remember to call people. Or, or like, it can be so isolating. And if you, if you just set up a meeting among a few people, I mean, Zoom is exhausting at this point, getting on the... <laughs> on the conference and but when you haven't spoken to people in and in, in over a day it can be more healing than it seems yeah yeah you know and it's been a period of reset i guess and but i'm really trying to find a way to stay motivated excuse me especially when it comes to um seeking work for the next season but at the same time yeah. we don't know when, when we're things are going to be able to go back to work because because things are changing by the day so i'm just yeah. kind of taking it day by day and and just staying trying my do my very best to stay positive and and i mean, uh, want to reopen soon but i it's i still think it's too soon yeah i i think so too especially when you know they're anticipating a second wave and things but but you know i'm just um just taking it day by day and and just hoping for the best and yeah. and um it, it certainly has changed our society so i'm just oh. kind of adjusting oh we'll yeah. never ever talk about anything else for the rest of forever yeah until, <laughs> we're talking you know, about this until the end of our days like this yeah. is this is unprecedented for us. It's, I mean, oh, God, if I hear if I hear uncertain times, unprecedented times, challenging, challenging times, uh, uh, difficult. Um, and I'm hearing all of these from advertisements. It's wild that the first thing to get back on its feet was the industry that makes advertising. Like they they have not stopped. They did they barely even paused to to mm-hmm. take a breath. They immediately said. We have to advertise to the public the way the public is now. This is our new reality. Let's get to advertising. And, mm-hmm. and damn, they're good. Yeah, they jumped right on it. They jumped right on it. But you know, now I've been trying to like keep myself laughing. Uh, yeah. Watch it. You know, I'm watching like clips of my old sitcoms that you know I I've seen a thousand times just to remind myself to keep laughing. What's, you know, what watch- shows? Oh, you know my Sanford and Son. Oh, you know, yes. I've been, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, my Sanford and Son, seeing my old LaWanda Page clips, you know, my Aunt Esther clips, you know, just to keep myself, my Sherman Hems, you know, my all my black sitcoms from back in the time. <laughs> I like watching yeah. LaWanda's stand-up. Like, oh, she yes, was doing yes. it into her 80s. Yeah, she was. Wait, she, did, she, she was, did she live well, into she, her 80s? She did. She passed in... 2002 she was 81 i remember watching an old clip that probably you can't even find anymore where she is well into her 70s 
she's talking about sitting on a dick and riding it. And I was just, they would never, I was so happy because they would never have let her get away with that on a sitcom. Well, she was very blue. And uh, she was so blue and it was wonderful. She was I have her albums on my iPod. I tell you one of the greatest comedy albums ever recorded because all of her, her the four that she recorded, her last one, which came out in 79, was very clean. The ones she had before that were extremely raunchy and they were brilliant. One of which, it's a 30-minute album called Preach On, Sister Preach On. Preach and On, it's, Sister Preach On. Wow. You can find it in four, all four parts. You can find it on YouTube. <gasps> it is the, she does this entire 30-minute sermon. And she's doing it in the form of a, she's delivering this in the form of a preacher. But it's, everything is in rhyming couplets. <gasps> it's the most brilliant that thing. That is theatrical. Absolutely. I tell you, it is the most brilliant thing. I want to see a queen lip sync to that because it is the... To the Lawanda Page stand-up special. Yes. Oh get, get, I mean, get, some, get someone get like Bob. Jasmine Get Bob, get Bob, get Bob, get Jasmine Masters, get one of those queens to do that. It is what you can find it on YouTube. It's called Preach On, Sister Preach On. Came out in 1972. It is one of, she does, she doesn't stop. It just becomes this train that she goes on. Why did they release a clean album? Well, it was, well, you know, she was, uh, well, that was just her, what she wanted to do. She wanted to do something different. yeah, I think she just wanted to do something different because... Um, I'm done talking about dicks. It's been 75 years. Which, well, no, she was doing that, but then she went into talking about oh, yeah. dicks and everything, like, after that, when she went into the 80s, you know. So she didn't lose her blue streak, but um, it was just this one album called Same Advice that came out in 79. It's very funny. It's still hilarious and a little suggestive. But uh, it wasn't as raunchy as her previous albums from the early 70s. Uh, nice. But yeah. And so, you know, just, um, just looking at um, just interviews with uh, theatrical luminaries, watching what our folks are doing, you know, mm-hmm. online and keeping up with their content and uh, enjoying it. And, and what they're doing. Our theater this, friends. Yeah. Now that theater is your living room. Yay. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, so I'm just... Uh, just doing my best to adapt and just to keep myself motivated and and uh, entertained. I mean, <laughs> I've been knocking out a lot of movie blind spots. Like oh, okay. A lot of old classics that I've been meaning to watch, but I've also been, you know, leaning into the things that provide comfort. Like Brandon and I will watch a Great British Baking Show. That's why he's making jam right now. <laughs> Some strawberry <laughs> jam. Jam today, don't jam tomorrow. Oh my god! You told me that was Carol Channing from Alice in Wonderland in nineteen eighty-five. Uh huh. Nineteen eighty-five. I'm gonna have to look this up because I had no idea she played. I don't know the Queen of Jam in this Alice yeah. in Wonderland. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Now I'm wondering, like, damn, what was the character she played? She, she was one of the characters. Um, That's why. For all I know, she could have been a character created for that version. I mean, if, she, <laughs> if, if Carol Channing played the Mad Hatter, I'd have watched that already. Like, that's everything. I, <laughs> that's I do amazing rem- casting. Oh, my goodness. I do remember her not wearing a hat. Well, then um, she couldn't have been a Mad Hatter. She, she, yeah. It's, Very um, much a part of his whole thing. 
Yeah, you can probably. But find can the you whole picture movie. her in a white top hat? I mean, it's <laughs> she's worn one. Oh yeah, it, that it image be, exists somewhere. Oh yeah, oh absolutely. Um, I think Hello Dolly. I think. Um, but uh, she, I think it's. You can probably find the whole film on YouTube because it was a TV film. Mm-hmm. But um, you can definitely find that clip. You can definitely find it. And uh, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I have a queue in my Hulu and the Prime, the Amazon Prime. And I'm like, I need to start knocking this out <laughs> because I, it just sits there for months. <laughs> it just sits there. And there and, are just so many movies. It really makes mm-hmm. you anxious. Well, I saw one last night I fell asleep on. Which one? And it was called... Uh, <laughs> that's because all the lights were out in my place. It was 10.30 at night. It was this film called Night Hunter. I've become actually um, like l- hooked into watching low-budget films or independent films with like legendary actors or big-name actors that were made only a year or two ago and some of these films are not good and others are, are like fine they, um, they just keep popping up in these they movies keep popping up. like they keep john popping up. travolta and kevin costner are just making these movies that yeah. nobody knows about yeah yeah and nobody ever thinks to ask where's john travolta oh he's in the Yukon Territory, filming another movie that's going to appear on Tubi next year. <laughs> yeah, Netflix or something. You know, it was a film called Night Hunter. It was a psychological thriller, kind of in the vein of uh, Kiss the Girls. Um, who's in it? Uh, Henry Cavill, uh, who's the star of it. Ben, uh, Sir Ben oh. Kingsley. Sir yeah. Ben Kingsley. Uh, S- Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci, my favorite. The Tucci. The Tucci. He's the Tuchmeister. Uh, he, the Tuchmeister, he plays the uh, police commissioner, um, and Cavill's a cop. My martini and, daddy. Oh, yes, yes. I, you know, we love us some Tucci. Oh. And um, I think those are the only actors of note, because I have to rewatch it tonight, because I fell asleep on it. Um, but that, there are hundreds of these movies. They're, a lot, a lot they're just appearing. Yeah, it was shot in Canada, I believe. Are these just tax um, shelter movies? Probably because I think uh, because a lot of the cast in that film and the ones I have been seeing are Canadian actors. So they, uh, lots of the American actors will go up to Canada and shoot a film, you know, for maybe a month or so. And yep, it's out on Netflix or Hulu. It's, it's a it's a financial conspiracy. <laughs> C- if I disappear, <laughs> if I disappear, you know that it was the Canadian film mafia. Yeah, right, right, right. Right. Spiriting me away to <laughs> Vancouver to face charges. Sure. Um, I've also been leaning into like less, like more obscure and more curious works by well-known filmmakers. Like I watched, yeah. I watched uh, Wizard of Gore, oh. which is Herschel Gordon Lewis's like splatter yes. film, and that oh yes. boy, what a interesting journey of a movie. He he was a trip. Now, I saw Blood Feast when I was a kid back in the 80s because my aunt loved renting really gross out violence horror movies. It's so wild how, that that movie came out in the 60s. It, right, right. It was so ahead it of its so time. Because it is so bloody. So violent. So bloody and so ahead of its time. Mm. And it was all, the whole premise, they remade it actually in 2000, I yes. want to say 2007 with Seven. my girl yeah, with my girl Caroline Williams. Uh, Who? The, uh, Caroline Williams. Um, genre icon, a horror icon, Caroline Williams. Most famous role, uh, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Uh, and, oh, uh, oh she, is she um, uh, Stretch? 
stretch. Yep. She's okay. All right. I gotcha. Um, That's my girl there. Uh, uh, Kristen yeah. Glover is the wizard in, in this remake, yeah. is he not? Yes. Uh, Caroline Williams was in Blood Feast. Oh, the, I'm sorry. I'm still thinking of Wizard of Gore. Oh, Blood Wizard Feast. of Gore. Yeah, yeah. Blood Feast was also remade, you say? Yes. Uh, but yeah, Wizard of Gore. Yeah, and Blood Feast. Uh, Blood Feast came out, I think, somewhere between 2007 and 2010, maybe. Uh, and then and Wizard of Gore as well. That remake. Wizard of Gore, I'd heard about the remake because I had heard how monstrously bad it was, but for the <laughs> over over the top performances of Crispin Glover and. Brad Dourif, the legend himself. Oh, those two. When you have yeah. those two, oh man. That, like, it might be it. worth it for them. Yeah, because yeah, I like them a lot. They are such like great them. creeps. I love it. Yes, I love yes. their performances. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're such fascinating actors, those two. And, uh, you know, Brad Man and Brad Dourif, the voice of but, Chucky, yeah. Yeah, Boris of Chucky, who was also Oscar-nominated for his performance as Billy Bibbitts <gasps> in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Heartbreaking. Honestly, a heartbreaking performance. And then, that, and then after Almost that, as heartbreaking as his dream of worm tongue, because that man, <laughs> he went he on a journey. He just, he, just, he just turned 70 recently, and I forgot to do a birthday shout out to him. But, oh, uh, wow. Uh, but, uh, well, thank yeah, you, he, genre icon Brad Dura, for all you do. We hope yes, you're well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, you oh, can hey, tell he's hey, one. You too, Crispin. Sorry we just trashed the movie you, you made. 15 years ago <laughs> oh no he probably didn't care he probably didn't care he probably was just having fun you can tell like with actors like him and um like udo kier and the late great sid haig mm. you can tell that they were just having fun blast uh, yeah. they were just you know brad dorf you know yeah you can almost look and you see my my baby karen black you can tell <laughs> like she she was just having fun and she she loved doing it Mm -hmm. I know that you love to talk about your favorite character actresses, such as Ms. Karen Black. Um, and you also <laughs> like to talk about Joanna Cassidy. And I bring it oh, up because yes. I yes. also watched a lesser known Wes Craven movie called Invitation, Invitation to, to Hell. Hell. I saw that as a kid this too. This <laughs> movie is the gayest. Yes. It's, it's, it's got Susan Lucci as a Susan powerful satanic cult leader. What more can you want? Exactly. I had it on VHS. I bought it on VHS years ago. I it remember has a seeing very it as a video quality to it. Very oh, absolutely. TV I, movie of the week. It was a TV movie of the week. I remember seeing it on Channel 7. Believe it or not, I, I was about six because my memory is just like crazy like that. I saw it on like, maybe it was Channel 7 probably, in 1985. I know it came out in 84. Mm -hmm. And Miss Joanna is very well, active. The same Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm -hmm. And Miss Joanna, she's very active on social media. So she posted about that movie at one time. Mm -hmm. I mean, she, she posted about it, yeah. Mm -hmm. At one point she puts on like this skimpy lingerie and, yeah. <laughs> and proceeds to lose her sanity. Yeah. <laughs> over the course of a few minutes until she's just writhing around on the floor having like yeah, her own orgasm while her husband's just watching her going do you Robert do you, do you want me to like, leave should I yeah. am I involved in this <laughs> escapade or should I just take my boner and go oh you know Robert Urich was she the took, great Robert Urich he, he was like he was a cutie yeah, he, he was, was a cutie was a, in this film very handsome very handsome man and sadly his widow heather menzies she passed away not too long ago herself heather menzies now, from piranha piranha from piranha and sound of music yeah she had 
Oh, I totally forgot she was in that. Yeah, <laughs> that shows uh, you what she... kind of gay I am. I remember oh, Piranha, oh. not Sound oh, of Music. I loved in Piranha and the Sound of Music. She was great too. I, re- I do remember vividly, it was the two images from Invitation to Hell I remember. Uh, the part when with she Mr. gets Ant- hit by a car. No, not even that. Oh, it was, okay. um, it was uh, Miss Joanna playing at the piano <gasps> and then yes. uh, Susan, Susan Lucci spinning and exploding. Those are the two things I remember from when I was both indelible images. Right, 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 right. Yes, but Miss Joanna, though, the, yeah, that's my girl. Then, yeah, the the Joanna Cassidy playing the piano. Um, can she really play? Her arms I, were a little wild; they were kind of wiggly. <laughs> she probably pro- probably not, but you know, she she is very um athletic. You know, she she she, she yeah. I mean, in Blade Runner, that Blade scene Runner. where she's like like running yeah like she parkouring was, over yeah. everything she did she does a lot of her own she did a lot of her own stunts in her movies she nice. said i know like with blade run but she didn't do the stunts where she was uh, running through the plate glass windows that was a stunt double but um the lot of plate even, glass in today's movie yeah well you know she she said herself when she was younger she was very um into athletics and and uh, she she'll be seventy five this year, and Damn. still well, still, I stand still doing queen, right? Still doing it, and um, yeah, I I love her. But you know, the, one of the best laughs ever. If you ever hear her laugh, she has one of the greatest laughs. You can find like a it in Julia her, Roberts, Pretty Woman laugh. What, or, what, uh, no, Julia's is more like loud and and boisterous, which I love. But hers <laughs> is more. Yeah, hers is more of a, it comes from like her throat and out. It's a, it's one of those like granny laughs that that you just love. It, it's, it's a wonderful laugh. It just laugh. comes from the back of the throat like you're very pleased yeah, with com- yourself. Like <laughs> Almost kind of. But you, yeah, there are actually, you can. Oh, she, me. Because she, she's, if you ever watch Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, where she plays the best boss ever. Haven't seen the, it. Oh my god! Oh my god! Big big blind spot for me, but it's it's it's, it's kind of gay, uh, and I think that's <laughs> I largely, love it. I'll put it on the list. That's largely due to Miss Joanna's performance because she basically played the boss from heaven. Oh, and you hear her laugh uh, at certain points in the film. Is Christina Applegate? Christina Applegate. In this? Yes. Okay. I saw it, I saw it in the movies, chat. Mm. <laughs> that's how it was. 1991 i saw it in the movies chat when it was yes. playing at the dollar the dollar 50 movie in silver spring and now mm-hmm. are now now there are no movies anymore movies are canceled they're over oh no we have to bring them back but um yeah, i she do miss one. going to the theater i think the last yeah, time i, I was in too. the theater was for parasite or something and that that was a that was an experience that was only aided by being in like a theater in that kind of environment yeah, like being the la- surrounded by people who were as audibly reacting as I was. It was yeah, just a good experience. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I do miss it. I saw it in the cinema myself, and I, you know, this is pretty much the same reaction. The last thing I saw in the cinema was 1917. Oh, and how was it? I loved it. Wonderful Thomas Newman score. Um, yeah, yeah, the score was awesome, actually. Um, so uh, it's Thomas Newman, but yeah, that score was just so awesome because it was surprisingly very contemporary mm-hmm. it was very contemporary which i was very surprised about which i love i love it when film composers kind of buck, yeah. they buck that like it. Yeah. they juxtap yeah goldsmith did it in la confidential and um yeah just wonderful wonderful 
But um, yeah, that was the last one I saw, 1917. And I had to see it in the cinema because uh, it was one of those movies you had to see in the cinema. And sure enough, it came out on DVD the next week. Of course. <laughs> well, everything is going straight to our homes now, even the yeah. butthole cut of Cats. Not the, ooh, <laughs> yeah, which I still haven't seen yet. I still haven't seen, I need to see that. Why would you give the cats buttholes and then take them away? And yeah. then and then tell the world about it. You know humans are going to want to see those CGI buttholes. Yeah, see, and that's fucking with people. See, you know, you know because... Now they have to right? go see the movie again and give, uh, yeah. give more money to this terrible monstrosity <laughs> that was created and is now so bad that it's making money again. Like, that's... Oh, boy. It's like, man, how are you going to take away the asshole? You know, we went to... <laughs> it truly felt like the death of camp to me. Yeah, right? There's... It, there's nothing about it that's charming. No. There's nothing about it that's off the beaten path. And if you're going to, and if you're going to make something this bad, at least make it hard to find, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, don't don't. Um, I don't skimp, know what I'm saying. Like, and like don't and like don't skimp on the camptastic quotients. Like go all the way with. I it. haven't go seen it way. yet, but what I've heard yeah. is that they really leaned into it. It was almost as if really? Tom Hooper, much like our hero Herschel Gordon Lewis, said, "Look, <laughs> if we're gonna make this piece of crap, let's make it the funnest, stinkiest, <laughs> most interesting piece of crap. People are gonna want to line up to take a whiff of this piece of crap." <laughs> It's, nothing smells like it. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, it could have smelled even, you know, different if you had the uh, the assholes. The buttholes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord, child. Because you know um, our favorite, everyone says their favorite thing about their cat is the smell of its craps. <laughs> the kitty litter smell. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Sorry, I can't have anything that poops in my house other than me. I am the only thing that's allowed to poop in my house. My husband has to leave. He's not allowed. I stand outside. Stand outside. Uh, go to the go to the brown tent. Not the brown tent. Damn it. Oh, oh, that was bad. Oh, that was bad. But, uh, uh, I need a I need a diamond. Will forgive me. So we're talking about, you mentioned uh, great movies with great contemporary scores that don't quite match up, but again, are still one of the themes that holds the movie together is the music. And I think the yeah. score of this movie is oh. something that, nev that, that sticks with you forever. It is, of course, oh. my gay fave, 1977's Suspiria, directed yes. by... Dario Argento, written yes. by Dario and his wife at the time, Daria Nicolotti? I don't believe so at that time. They might have been. Well, you know uh, what they, they were, say. They, you, write a, you write a movie about a witch coven masquerading as a ballet studio and you'll find yeah. the love of your life. You know, that's how they do it. <laughs> well, you know, they, their first movie together was Deep Red. <gasps> and oh, um, Deep Red. yeah, that's my joint. You know, because I love Argento movies. You know, I love Argento. And that one I is much... That one's much less of a supernatural film. That no, it's one's more of a very mystery. much of a giallo. That one is it's a giallo. Yes. It's a giallo. Very much a mystery. Um, this and has that was... giallo elements, Suspiria. Absolutely. But it's definitely a Absolutely. horror supernatural Supernatural. Film. It's psychedelic. 
Yes, it's, that's, where um, it, that's where it is. It, it's a twisted fairy tale, and that was Argento's goal. But he wanted, he wanted to cast it with younger actors, but the film was so violent, he said, no, I can't do that. So he cast adults. And, you mean like the, uh, the ballet students, like Jessica yeah, Harper? The ballet yeah, the ballet students. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And uh, Miss Daria, you know, you know, I love Miss Daria. I, you know, I, I love to say, if it weren't for her, it wouldn't have been made. She based it, there, her idea for the screenplay, from what I learned in my research over the years and reading interviews with her, she based Suspiria on stories her grandmother told her. Her grandmother, um, she said Italian her grandmother, or? yeah, she, she's full Italian, she's, okay. from, she's Florentine. Your voice um, doesn't get to be that husky if you don't have... Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Generations yes. of Italian she, ancestry and well, you know, smoking. And, and she smokes. Uh, but, you know, and she said her grandmother went to this ballet school as a young woman, as a girl, and her grandmother believed that the ballet school was a front for witches' cover, which, which, is, which is how, what? which is the plot. And, you know, Miss Daria, she's in the opening of the film. She's in a brief cameo shot. She's is a she woman. Yep, that's, that's her. her. Okay, so the movie starts with with a very severe um, credit sequence, and then the first that's thing right. you see is the plane schedule. It's quite mechanical, and then yeah. and then suddenly the color hits you. Yeah, and as soon as the movie's oversaturation of color hits you, it starts in the airport, which I've got to say I've I've never thought of airports as colorful. So this is the most colorful airport already that I've ever seen. And then that beautiful shot of a woman in a red, Daria makes her cameo as a woman in a red coat. And that is a very uh, yeah, Giallo-esque just, type of thing. A woman, a mysterious woman in red. Yeah, and she's just standing there. And, yeah. uh, and it's like one of those almost blink and you'll miss her shots. Mm-hmm. But it's like, boom, it's like, okay, yeah, we know that's Miss Daria over there. But, uh, you know, she, she actually turns 70 in June. Um, Excellent. And one thing I was always salty about when it came to her film work was that they would dub lo- it. Yes, she has this wonderful husky voice. She speaks fluent English, mm-hmm. and they kept dubbing her voice. And so like that in it would Tenebrae, sound like more feminine, or yeah, in which, fe- which in Tenebrae the dubbing is so weird. Sometimes it's, it's like you know who that was? Who? Teresa Russell. What? Teresa Russell dubbed her voice. <laughs> but she has, this, she has this wonderful husky voice. And yeah, I thought that was a kind of an injustice to her. I think that uh, Jessica Harper's casting is oh. to this film's credit. I don't know oh, why Argento wanted somebody younger, but like she's got these big expressive eyes and the way she carries herself yeah. uh, at, at sometimes very... Uh, very frail, very delicate. Yeah, yeah. And delicate. at other times, almost as if she's like a bamboo shoot, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, blowing she, well, in the wind. She's well, you know, very uh, good in her movement and in the way she carries herself. Uh, yeah, I believe she was trained in ballet uh, because she was doing musicals back in the day. I before mean, when she, she, went she swoons and faints, she stays on her toes. She stays on, on point, point the whole time. I'm like, that is, that is a dedicated woman. She, to the craft. Right, right, right. You know, she, she was, I think she did the musical, I think she did Hair on Broadway, I think. I think oh, she nice. was in that. I think she was in that. And, um, you know, because she comes from a musical background and uh, she doesn't act so much anymore, but she, aside from that wonderful cameo. In yeah, she cameoed in the area. remake. 
in the remake, and which they is wanted to, very different, thankfully. They're, oh it, God, it's they're, much more of a inspired by than a, a shot yeah, for shot or any shot kind shot of. Remake. And and you know, Guadagnino knew that he couldn't just make remake the movie. He had to make a, a movie about the way this movie affected him. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, some I, would say the remake is. Oh, sorry, what were you saying? Oh no, no, no! I was going to say that. Um, as you saw, she spoke the entire role in German. And they approached her to be in it. I mean, I remember when I first read that she was coming back, I was like, oh, man, is she going to be um, Helena Marcos? You know, is she <laughs> like, well, what's going on? And is it going to be a cameo? And then as we got closer and closer to the film, I still didn't know what role she played in it until I saw it. And then I went, ah. It's and then an I read an interesting role. An interesting role. And I read an interview with her. They approached her to do the film. And she was like, yes, I'm in. But they said, do you speak German? She lied and said, yeah. <laughs> so she actually had to learn German phonetically, phonetically, like, you know, kind of in a pinch. And then she I love that she it. lied without, without hesitation. Yeah, yeah I yeah, speak she, German. Yeah, yeah, put me in the movie. Yeah. And she was like, no, she was like, cut no, the check. Yeah. She, yeah. But then, and she was promoting the hell out of it on social media, right? which is like, you know, as I follow her on Facebook. So she was promoting, you know, doing. Yeah, yeah. She has some great. great other performances, like that that uh, time she played the um, sad wife of Steve Martin in that Pennies from oh, Heaven movie. Pennies from Heaven, yes, yes. With Bernadette uh, Peters as with the Bernadette Peters. Um, sh- shock treatment. Um, oh, shock yeah. treatment. Um, A couple of the- good TV episodes. Yeah, TV. Uh, Minority. Yeah, uh, Minority Reports. She was in that. Also, she was in a. Um, Mm, it's escaping me now. Oh, Phantom of the Paradise, which I believe was <gasps> her first film. Oh, I forgot yeah. about Phantom of the Paradise. What a fantastic film. Which is Find how she got... Palma's weirdest movie. Yeah, which is how she got Suspiria, I believe. <gasps> really? I think, yes, I believe Argento saw her in that. And, I, how could I, you not fall in love with her in that movie? And uh, he, Playing. I think asked her to audition because I, I think that Laura I heard, Nero Carol King type of folk singer character yeah and she She's she makes great. children she makes children's records too oh. she, she uh, the real she, Jessica Harper makes yeah she she makes children's records yeah oh, shit yeah I didn't know that she records children's um uh, albums uh for kids and well that's um, great so that when the kids watch this horror movie where people get ripped to shreds they can be like hey <laughs> that woman taught me my ABCs <laughs> right basically it's like oh yeah miss jessica you know uh, uh you killed that witch and <laughs> <laughs> so so i love the setting they they put this american dancer in a ballet school in berlin mm-hmm. and one of the things that the remake does is it focuses more on berlin in the 70s which yes which was an interesting time it was it was still divided and it was half communist. Like one of the things that people say about Argento's film is that it doesn't mind that setting for very long because it's way more about the school, the the style being the the substance. The style being over the substance. Yeah. Yeah, The style is the substance. Not that this movie does not have substance. I think every time I watch it and I've seen it so many times, it's one of my faves. Oh yeah. I have the limited edition. It yeah. feels more sub- like you start to see how much craftsmanship is in every detail of this movie. Yeah, I mean the technical elements. Jeez, every the shot, history, the, every shot, the use every of shot. color, the use of color, 
you know. Um, and then the use of sound the besides of sound. the music, I noticed more the way sound the way sound was used right away as she goes through the airport doors. They make that hydraulic sound, and then immediately the thunder, and it's almost as if you've been cast out of this safety of this you know public airport, and you are in another world as soon yeah. as she walks out into the the storming rain and the the villainous cab driver won't even help her get her luggage into her car yeah. into his yeah. car yeah i was you like know, here he is this movie's first villain yeah <laughs> but you know the use of color like i remember there was this one moment from the film where i was like you know because people overlook argento and or they well, kind of because he's a hard director because tend because to. Of how yeah and they tend to some folks tend to dismiss him because they say oh he's short on plot and, and that's and, and high that's, on violence and there's, high, no, and and there's no substance. reason for it yeah and there's no reason but you know and that's okay because you know the style is the style the and, is the substance with him and with uh him like there's the one moment in suspiria where um they're in the dorm and the power goes out and they used to just green yes it's like what he, the fuck did that green where did it come from <laughs> like he spent every single color of light is like employed in this movie and yeah. it it seems that the witch's biggest enemy is beige wallpaper it really does <laughs> there are yellow walls blue walls yellow. green walls red walls the blood is redder than blood it has any right yes. to be yeah, the lilacs on the wall. Oh, uh, the, ir the irises. The irises. <gasps> Never yeah. forget the irises. The irises. Um, I say lilacs. The irises. Maybe one of them is that one thing I like about those flowers is that they're a clue, but you yeah. don't know they're a clue yet yeah. until she brings it up later. And so she's talking about irises while they are literally in the shot. And yeah, you don't yeah. know yeah. that she's talking about the very things that are right. If she had only looked to her left would be there. She'd been like, I had no idea what she meant by this cryptic message about the irises. And then she glances to the left and goes, oh, look, irises. <laughs> if only that had <laughs> happened, the movie might be 40 minutes shorter. Right, right. Well, you know, he made like the, he still kept the fairy tale kind of element, like Alice in Wonderland type elements. Very because, Alice because in Wonderland. You, you know, when she had to reach for the doorknob to open doors and, you know. It, yeah, and the doors were, some doors were small. They all small. had different shapes. It Argent, was quite, yeah. it was like being in a fun house for two hours. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's a psycho, it's like just a psychedelic nightmare. It, you know, for those who, for those who do the shrooms, you don't <laughs> need to do shrooms and no, watch that movie. No, you don't need to be altered in any way for this. No, no, no. It's, I mean, it's try so, it, live your life, but who? Yeah. I first watched this when I was much too young to be doing any kind of uh, mind altering, but I used to be very uh, scared of horror movies. And when I think back, honestly, this is one of the first movies that made me realize how horror can be used to create something artistic, something visually arresting, something special. And it made me realize that these movies while they were meant to scare you, while they were meant to make you feel discomfort, that they were also meant to move you in other ways. I think Absolutely. that's why I love it so much because it opened yeah, me too. the door for my dramatic ass to be like, horror is my genre. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close-up. Get, get the fake cadmium red blood. That blood yeah. though, like what did he yeah. use to make, it was paint. It was, it was in it was no paint. way 
were we supposed to think it was real blood? I know it was the 70s. See, that's, but... the, that's the question, because I think, I think pe- that's been kind of debated. Um, I mean, I love it all the same. Bright red, yeah, because it's striking. Bright red to have the, you know, the, the whole nightmare, because the film is just this big nightmare. So you want to like this, uh, this element of the fantastic to make that blood so red. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's really fascinating. I think that's, people have been kind of talking about that. I, I, see, I always came from the place of like, yeah, that blood is supposed to be like, yeah, blood. But the, I, I um, think the film would lose some of its appeal if the blood were darker in hue. Were darker, yeah. yeah because, because the film was so about color and the use of color. And the blood um, also every, had to be a color. A color that like this outstanding, you know, like form of red and the um it wasn't all also just that it was red it was that it was completely uh opaque you could not see through it you couldn't see through it you can see through it it was totally opaque and like that whole uh opening murder sequence you know is just that sequence never gets old it's it's like it's iconic it really is and it's brutality and it's artistic value the, the goblins and the score can we talk about goblin we sure but you know we can because you know we I can love talk my about claudio you know, simonetti my, claudio simonetti, simonetti. Yes, simonetti. Uh, they were the rock band that prog rock that's right. were the prog, prog rock, rock band that composed yeah. the score for this movie right. as well as deep red and, and a, deep a bunch red. of other italian movies well deep red had a uh mostly Goblin. Goblin score. There was a composer by the name of Giorgio Gaslini uh-huh. who composed the more orchestral uh, piece, the more classical um, stuff. The more classical stuff. Um, but it was mainly a Goblin score. Right. The and, electronic uh, stuff, the more up Yeah, the electronic stuff. The up-tempo. The, the drumming. You know, the drumming. The drumming in this film is overwhelming. It's the first thing you hear. Yeah. The... Because the the score itself is so avant garde, and I love really and, I, and, and I love prog rock, and I, I love prog rock, and then Goblin is like the number one for me when it comes to prog rock. And um, what they did, they were actually recorded the score before the film. They actually recorded the score, I believe, before the film was shot, or they recorded it while they were m- making the film, as it, while the film was being made. Because what they did, they played cues on the set oh and argento had big, the music just a big play, gong just to, just to create the atmosphere and uh, you know this with the, bitch brought in his orchestra to make the atmosphere more real for his actors i yeah, love it well, well you know well yeah goblin recorded cues and then argento played them on the set to create that that or atmosphere drama. of tension and fear right right and, what a drama queen i love it well yeah and then when you listen to the the technical achievement with that score the use of voices you hear which which over yeah, and over again the, that's yeah. that's that's simonetti i believe doing that and he's saying which and um or you know bitch. yeah <laughs> and then you hear the uh, the i think you, you hear women screaming the and women screaming and the the, the women screaming and and they had a bazooki in the score a bazooki it's a, a greek instrument <laughs> Uh, the bazooki, it's a Greek instrument. Uh-huh. And uh, it's, 
you hear it in honor of helena marcos the greek witch exactly the black queen herself exactly marcos helena marcos they used a greek instrument called the bazooki and it mixes you hear it in this one cue is it a stringed instrument yes okay and uh it's um please do that a third time (laughs) it's um it's a in the, on the soundtrack, yeah. it's, a cue, it's a cue called Size, which you can find <gasps> on YouTube, and uh, S-I-G-H-S. And right. the cue actually plays, if I remember... Um, right before the TARDIS what, shows up. <laughs> it sounds like the beginning. It's, it's, it's when the... Yeah, but it's when Miss Jessica goes into Helena Marcus's bedroom. It's when, it's when she... Um, sees uh stefania cassini's corpse when she sees sarah's corpse oh, and the cam- and the what, camera a, pan- what a heartbreaking scene <laughs> i know right and she and the camera pans down and you i believe that's where that cue is i have to go back and rewatch the film because you you did your homework today and rewatched it but i've seen the film so many times i was like oh it had yeah, to be the 10th time for me though but still it's oh, always fun and especially yeah. now i i realize i needed some uh, comfort watching and yeah. a film this near and dear to my heart was was a good comfort watch even though argento is very much in the business of discomfort oh yes he's Where, always said like he yeah. wants he doesn't want you to be just be scared he wants you to squirm like he wants to squirm. you to, to to squirm in your seats and he employs all sorts of things from sound to color to color yeah maggots themselves it's, uh, the it's scene a, with the maggots, I oh. all, I always block it out of my memory, and then it comes back, and when Miss um, Tanner's black boots are squishing along the floorboards <laughs> oh, and, and a, getting Alita maggots. Yes. Can we talk about Alita Valley? Yes, we can. You because know, the, you know, I looked up her legend. full name, and it is... It's a long name. It's a it long is, name. I wrote it down to get it right. It's Baroness Alida Maria Lara Altenberger von Markenstein Frauenberg. <laughs> and she's Italian, obviously. She's Italian. Yeah. Does she speak any German? She speak. She spoke multiple languages, right? Yeah. She's she a, was. She in, was a. Po- she was a polyglot, I believe. Yeah, yeah. She was in movies in Italy and Germany and France and, and America and, and America. She did American films too. Right. She was in that movie with Orson uh, Welles. Yes, The Third Man. She's uh, also in the very famous French horror movie Eyes Without a Face. Yes, yes, yes. And also the legendary, the equally legendary Miss Joan Bennett, Joan Bennett. Who, was, who was Madame Blanc. And, I love um, them as villains. Not yes. only because they are, not only because they're fabulous divas, but because right? something about uh, Ms. Tanner as like the stern matronly leader of this school is very queer coded to me. She's got that absolute. She's got that blazer severe. and a very severe look. And yeah. it is a trope of like this older predatory woman at a dance academy or at a at an artistic academy. It's, yeah. Um, but you also are like, okay, stud. Like I love Miss <laughs> Tanner walking around in those yeah. black boots. I'm like, okay, yeah. I wouldn't uh, mind if she stepped on a few throats. I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and she she had a very toothy grin. And toothy grin know, and she, a very mm. another another very distinctive voice. Oh yes, I loved, yes, I loved yes. hearing her scream at the blind piano player. Oh yeah, that poor man. <laughs> yeah, poor right, right, Daniel. And then, then his dog turns on him. You know, it was like, oh. But you know, she, Alita Valley. You know, the 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 fact that you had these two 
glamorous, golden age, yeah. glamorous golden age actors playing the villains. Who had both, who had both faced like scandal pre- previously. In the, yeah, they were both it, at the end of their careers. I think yeah. Joan Bennett, this was the final film she made. She yeah. was very, um, she, she was like the complete opposite of Miss Tanner. She was draped in jewelry and, ne- and nice oh, yeah. gowns. And oh, yeah. She was Joan Bennett is American. And she, yeah, she, was, she was from affected, New Jersey. Yeah. She had a very affected Hollywood way of speaking. Yeah, she was from New Jersey. Lots of those uh, actors back then, they had I mean, the Atlantic. She was in film noirs, right, John? Yeah, uh, yeah, like all kinds of classic movies. Um, and she, she had was a long from New Jersey. Yeah, she had a long career. She died in 1990. She was born in 1910. Whoa. And uh, Alita Valley, I believe, was born in 1920 or 21. Mm-hmm. And uh, she passed uh, some years ago herself. 2005 uh, not, or six. Yeah, 2005 or six. And um, the, the film stars back then. A lot of the American ones had that mid-Atlantic dialect mm-hmm. that they, you know, they uh, employed like for the cameras. <laughs> Vincent Price from Missouri, uh, who from Missouri, right. and, you know, and um, so it's it's really fascinating. Yeah, and the two of them, if, you know, they if had Vincent Price's horror's gay grandpa, Joan Bennett and <laughs> Alita Valley are horror's yeah. lesbian grandmas. Oh yeah, you know, yeah they they were they were they were old old school divas. And I, love, I, I love I love them in this movie. I yeah. I also love Madame Blanc's very um, passive aggressive version of like Karen white lady feminism. <laughs> oh, like, I remember. See, you remember that one line that she had? And I can't remember, but she goes, "So you decided to do this instead of doing this." And it was she interesting was kind of, choice. Yeah, something. she was kind of admonishing the way Jessica's she, character. yeah, the way was, she could take you down a peg without with just a look really yeah and oh my and this will bug me till the end of time the ceremony scene at the climax when they were having their witches uh which ceremony, is brew which is brew. What, what was she eating what did she eat uh, you know i'm so wondering well, was it, was it a witch was it a witch wafer? It was a tiny little piece of white something or other. And as Helena yeah. Marcos, the Black Queen, is a Greek witch, I have to imagine it was a piece of enchanted feta cheese. <laughs> and, the and, I love, chalice, I love- and the chalice was full of olive oil. <laughs> Philippa Berrio. Some real primo <laughs> olive oil from the good market. One, I remember when I first saw that when I was in my early teens. And I said, is she eating gum? Like, like what is that? Is that gum? And, um, yeah. but I love, I love feta cheese. Oh, dang, mm. that makes it. Now, now, I, now I, I want it to be feta cheese. Now I'm going to get that at the supermarket next time. But, um, yeah, the, the, I just loved like having, you know, these old school divas playing the villains. And whereas, you know, Alita Valley's Tanner is so different from Angela Winkler's Tanner yeah. from the remake. And I love Angela Winkler too, because she, you know, she's a legendary German actor. Yeah. And she made Tanner so tragic. You, you felt bad for her. You felt sorry for her. You did. She, her, her performance was lovely. A lot of people yeah. say that, that um, the remake is a, is a little bit queer, but I just think it was made in a more queer time. I mean, it's got more queer time. It's got Tilda Swinton, of course, and, Til- and queer oh. icon Dakota Johnson. And it's made by a queer director. But yeah, despite being made by Dario Argento, who is a, very much a straight white man and loves torturing women as much as the next horror director. Yes. Um, there are some very queer things about this movie. 
the 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 first of which is when like Pat Hingle. I don't know why they call her Pat Hingle. Um, oh, her name. Yeah, the yeah, first yeah. the first murder victim is Patricia Pat, Hingle, but they Patricia keep calling Hingle. her Pat Hingle, Pat Hingle, and I keep thinking of Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> yeah, I think that was deliberate. That was deliberate. What? That had to be. That had to. That had to be deliberate because you know Pat Hingle was known at that time. Yeah, uh, you know he, he was he was known at that he time. Was. So that that had to be deliberate. Um, that's know. funny. But um, for a film made all the way in Italy, why? Who? Whose decision was it to name this blonde bombshell after Commissioner well, Gordon's? Well, well, I'm guessing. Well, you know, I'm guessing Argento watched lots of American films. Do you think he and, watched a lot of Batman, or uh, do you think he liked Pat Hangle and Maximum Overdrive? Oh, Max! Oh, I love Maximum Overdrive. I love Maximum Overdrive. He's but, great. Uh, uh, that ACDC score. Now, that score scared me. Um, when I was a kid, uh, but yeah, the I, I'm thinking Argento was kind of he could be slick with the the in jokes and you know he could be slick. Could. There were some very funny moments in this movie. I mean, when yeah. she's when they pass by Pavlo, the Romanian butler with the new teeth, and she just goes into this whole thing about oh well he has these new teeth because first the bottom row rotted and then the top row, and it's like. <laughs> Who asked for this information? Why are you just offering his dental history for free? That was probably Miss Dario because she, you know, she, she, you know. I worried uh, at times that Dario didn't know how women talk to each other. So I'm glad uh, Daria Nicolodi helped with the script because there were some scenes like the first time uh, Susie was in the the dressing room with the other dancers. Uh huh. Some of the way these women talk to each other was a little. It was odd. Odd. It, it could be a little odd. Yeah. Like, this, so, like Miss Olga. Yeah. Like Miss Olga had some strange characteristics when she was like, "Do you know Susie and uh, Sarah? The the letter S also stands for snake." And it's like, wait, who talks like yeah, this? Yeah, it's, it's random. It's so random. But that and I think that's what it. Um, that's the the uh, fun with Fitz appeal because they have like these characters just speaking randomly or saying random things and she's like making fun of sarah and then in the next scene you see her painting her nails and i gotta say before she goes after anyone else's wig she better check her cuticles because they're a mess (laughs) i will be damned if i'm gonna be put in my place by someone who doesn't know how to use a pumice stone yeah, oh, you know, uh, Olga, that's what the darker haired, uh, yes, the bully, ba- yeah, Barbara Magnolfi. Um, uh, mm-hmm. she, she's actually, I think she still does conventions talking about the film, Excellent. and she's she's great, she's like delightful. You should see her on you can YouTube it. Um, she goes around, I think, for it's, I'm not sure if she still does, but whenever there's a Suspiria convention, like or QA, she's there, and um, uh, yeah, Olga, yeah, yeah, that, that was a wild character. Um, I mean, there there are all these little characters who really uh, don't factor in so much, like the weird little blonde boy who just is like the companion of Madame Blanc. He says he's <laughs> her nephew, but he's probably some kind of like demon or something that, yeah. like a familiar that just walks around a at familiar. her side. <laughs> I mean, yeah, th- these little things, you know, that- He's like, I can that... be a cat or I can be an eagle. And she goes, be my nephew, a little blonde boy who looks like the child from Stranger Things. Yeah, right, right. I mean, you know, these, these characters that aren't quite explained, that just appear, you know, yeah, that's, that's kind they of... Hold the, interest, and, and they the hold your interest, and the fact that they're not explained or really, the fact that you're never 
quite told exactly what's going on ever mm-hmm. is it, it, it ratchets the tension up and never really lets you go even in mm-hmm. the even in the quieter moments of the movie they always make you feel like um these girls are never alone they're always being watched there's always something ulterior going on and it's not and it's not a safe place to be you never feel mm-hmm. safe even when she gets out of the school and goes out into the public to meet Udo Kier. Yeah, yeah. Udo, Udo, Udo. I love my Udo Kier. Horror, le- horror legendary horror House of Udo. Can we talk about uh, uh, that boy, that that soft ballerina boy? Oh. Who drops Miguel, off her... He's a cutie. Oh, Miguel, Miguel Bosé. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe, yeah. Uh, is that his really? He played Fl- Flavio. Is that this character's name? No, he played um, Mark. Mark, isn't it Mark? I believe you're right. The point is, uh, it felt like Luca Guadagnino saw how soft Italian men were, and were like, "I gotta make a movie about this someday." I think you're referring to Miguel Bosé. He um, he's actually a well-known singer in Europe, um, in Spain. In Spain, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, he's a well, yeah, yeah. It's interesting how he got cast because um, he's known as uh, primarily as a singer, but mm-hmm. he's probably he's probably he done was it. a dancer as well. I yeah, wish there dancer. had been more dancing in this. There really wasn't a lot of dance. Yeah, I don't think uh, Argento casts a lot of dancers. Uh, he, I think he just cast actors. And if there's one um, thing I wish this movie had. It would be like more dance sequences. And because yeah. when they had people dance, like Stefania Cassini, I oh, love Stefania her performance. Cassini. I love yes. her red hair. Yeah. But in that one moment that she dances, she, she just flies away like a bat. It's not graceful. It's not, it's like, wow, okay. <laughs> so they just said, so they just said dance off screen. And then yeah, she, dance did. Off screen. she did. <laughs> well, you know, with the, um, the limited edition Suspiria, which I got on DVD years ago, um, but I've seen the film so many times since then, and you know the the uncut version, which I saw years ago, because when I worked at the video store when I was a kid and mm-hmm. my early teens, they had it there, and I brought it home. I was twelve, twenty, thirteen, and I brought it home, and I was like, I was rocked, and so that yeah, so that's how my love affair with the spirit I mean, began. But you know, they get you because within the first fourteen minutes is that double homicide, and it is. Double- it's it is a an incredible sequence i mean it there's there's barely any dialogue it's all it's all wailing sounds. it's all sounds sound and visual sounds and, and color and it it's really a, it's, is it's brutal on the senses yeah you know? and, and, and it, there's brutal it is brutal and and there aren't really there are no more than what like five major deaths in the movie and yeah they they really draw out all that mystery and all that kind of warped fairy tale before putting you through these these violent sequences that can be really exhausting by the end by by the time they finally kill poor sarah she has been through so much but that the way that scene the way her chase is so drawn out and the way that Mm -hmm. argento and the music and the way it's filmed can still draw so much blood out of that stone like they can still mm-hmm. up the tension more and more and more with a with a simple razor blade peeking through the slat of a door um, yeah that right right as long oh. as that sequence is it is a master class in it, how to ma- film a sequence like that it yeah truly yes. is the, the suspense the tension i mean the barbed wire um, the pool of barbed wire 
I immediately put a, a, a barbed wire floor room in my house because I just need, you know, it's, a, it's really an aesthetic thing. Also, who needs that much razor wire in their life? Right, right. But, oh, let me find out. They were pulling to barbed wire. This your new king. That, that's a king I haven't heard of, child. Oh. <laughs> no, thank Lord. you. Those ra that razor wire looked very un uncomfortable, oh. honestly. Then, like, once you're like struggle through that and um, you yeah, know they don't I let up no no and with on the limited edition they interviewed uh miss stefania and um, her interview was in italian and they asked they they had asked her how was it working with joan bennett and she just goes into this whole where she's just gushing over her it's it's uh -huh. it's, it's it's the cutest thing uh -huh. um you can, you can probably find it on youtube um she, i remember her saying in italian joan bennett's the star like she was she joan was like bennett's the star she, the star. she, 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 she dressed like a faded movie yeah. star i think it was yeah. kind of the point um yeah there was one scene that had me cackling when she's talking with Susie about uh the night pat disappeared and was murdered and she like calls the police and she just goes i'm i'm glad you told me i'm just so sad you waited until yes hello hello police it's me <laughs> that was the line i'm that acting was, hello that, that was uh joan bennett right yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that's the line i was talking about <laughs> that's the line <laughs> that's the line she's, she's like, like yeah, i have got, yeah, hello, hello. Yeah. <laughs> that's more important line. things going on joan thank you oh man thank you Bring the, thank you for really jogging my memory with that because that was the line where she she's like get up hello <laughs> it's like i'm done with you now i don't even Diva. have the Diva. energy to finish the sentence i'm moving on so i love Diva. this movie so much it's available to watch for free with ads on tubi yeah so you know you oh, have to sign okay. up for that and i i deign yeah. to think about how many different streaming stations there are now but as far as i know tubi is completely free it just gives you an ad break every now and then and it's not not bad at all and you can watch inferno the sequel elsewhere yes. i think yes it's yeah. available Inf on prime or something what do you think of inferno i love inferno i had it on vhs when they had reissued it in a in a uh, remastered director's version and um it's worthy you know, sequel. I like it's it. A a lot. It's a worthy sequel. Like great set pieces, great set pieces. And you notice how Ms. Daria's roles in his films from Inferno on, all of her characters were killed. And people said that that was symbolic of their relationship, their which was disintegrating. Yeah. Yeah, disintegrating. And she, I think she had one of the greatest death scenes in a horror film ever. It was an opera in 1987. <gasps> it's a and great I, scene. It's a great Another scene. Another great Argento film. I love opera. I, I love opera too. And, um, you know, but you heard Miss Daria's actual voice. Yes. You heard her actual voice. And she, she got to play a great scene. character too. That, yeah, oh, I loved her like, character. She was oh, an yeah. agent or something. She was an agent. Yeah, of the, she's of great. The, uh, she was the agent of the young diva, and yeah. uh, and I loved her character. She was like, no, not like that. I want to see your face again. <laughs> Bam! But you know, she she risked her life for that scene. <gasps> what? Because um, they had, I think they used some type of gun, like a zip gun or something. Did and they take her eye out? Jesus. No, they fill, they filled a uh, condom full of stage blood to make it seem like you know it was like psh. make it seem like exit wound. Yeah, I, yeah, I read this in a book, 
and they, they have the uh, like the bullets exit blow up the phone mm-hmm. and all of this is done in slow-mo I right. mean, that was genius genius and um vanessa redgrave actually ms vanessa was mm-hmm. actually supposed to play the opera diva who was hit by the car in the film yeah i but think she, you've told me this but she pulled out of the film for i think like and so they didn't recast her they just sh- they shot did. from her pov from her pov because and you never uh, saw her face never great. saw her face and uh, and i think it was um because she had a scheduling conflict so she couldn't do the film for some reason and she had to go uh, make a lion lion in winter on broadway no Wait, was she, she never did lion in winter on broadway no no that was stocker no. channing never mind no no stocker channing <laughs> 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 No, the theater, well, the that, theater well, gods that, well, are that, haunting my dreams tonight. Well, that, well, that line in Winter with Miss Stockard was in 1999. <laughs> the legendary Ms. Rosemary Harris did it on Broadway back in 1966. Thank which, you. Which that earned might be Tony, what I was thinking which, of. Which, which, which earned the Tony Award for it. Um, All right, yeah. so extra nightmares for me. <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, I, yeah, that whole, it was such a technical achievement. And... Uh, you saw an Inferno, mm-hmm. you know, her character was, she was clawed to death by cats and then she was stabbed. And it was just like so over, you know, oh, over the go. top. But and, I mer- by the I mer- time, and by the time Mother of Tears came around, she was a ghost. She was already she dead. She was a ghost, she, which I saw in the cinema. I saw it in the cinema. Did Mother and of Tears get a cinematic review? Yeah, it was, I saw it at E Streets back in 2007. Yeah, it took and a long time. I, it was only three years between the first and second movie, and then between the second and third, because it's a trilogy about a trio was, of witches. It was 27 years. It yeah. was 27 years, and also there was a lot more CGI. There a lot more was CGI. Black, bl- like black, almost tar-like blood, rather yes, than the red yes. one. It, it was a very different movie, and it was not successful. No, no, it, it had a weird ending. It, it was like a weird final moment. It had a weird final moment. Uh, you heard... Daria's uh, Miss Daria's original voice, which yes. was great. And um, she appeared as like the the ghost of the girl's the main girl's mother. The main girl yeah. being played by Asia Argento, their daughter. Uh huh. And uh, she Asia, Asia, and she um yeah, it wasn't well received at all because it was so um it had it had been so long and it was a different time yeah. like like releasing that kind of movie in two thousand seven. Yeah, it, it, it just it's, was it's, almost set up to fail. Yeah, because it's it's old school Argento, mm-hmm. and it, it just didn't sit right with, I guess you know, the newer audiences. But the uh, but in fair no, they enough, moved on. They there it was already in the moved, middle of like French New Extremity. They they could go to some way darker places cinematically if they if they looked to uh, more contemporary absolutely. French filmmakers in the exact same time period. Yeah, I think yeah. people had moved on from Argento, and and it's always fun to revisit. Oh even yeah, the more absolutely. curious, even the more curious films like Phenomena. Oh, I love Phenomena. Where where, the, where, the, where the Jennifer Connelly can Jennifer talk Connelly. to bugs, to, to bugs, and you know, you and have then Mr. Uh, Trauma with Piper Trauma, Laurie playing Laurie a and, crazy psychic. You know, when she's the cabbage stages, and you see her head still speaking. She's still like, speaking. She's still speaking like the fuck. Uh, but you know, with uh, Phenomena, Miss Daria played. A, a more exciting role mm-hmm. and uh, yes. you had you had the legendary mr donald pleasant donald pleasant and a monkey yeah. there was a chimpanzee and the chimpanzee and phenomena was a fascinating movie it was, it fascinating. was fascinating and you had um you know soon to be icon uh, miss jennifer connelly 
Mm-hmm. And um, but yeah, with in Fernando, I do remember reading an interview with Miss Daria. She said she did not like working with Lee McCloskey, the the main actor in the film. She said he was a fool. <laughs> that was the only thing she said. Uh, she had a wonderful time working with David Hemmings on Deep Red. That's interesting. Didn't like working with it. She said he was a fool. Who? Uh, but uh, she Anthony only... Franciosa? No, no, no. She said, no, no. She. I'm. I'm thinking she had a good time with that. Okay. Um, and she Tenebrae had another is, great role. Tenebrae is wonderful as well. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Tenebrae, um, that crane shot with the theme, with the main, the goblin, with goblin's theme playing, mm-hmm. where the two women who were, were in the home together, and you have one going into the shower, and then the, uh, the one, you know, um, there was one going into the shower, then there was another one doing something else. I think she was drinking. Child, you know, I, I should have done my homework because I haven't seen these films in forever, but, um, <laughs> but I know them well enough. You know, I've, I've seen them so many times, but the camera is this really iconic crane shot where the camera just pans up, yeah. and, then it, and then it pans down. Argento and knows how to film a movie. It's really so does. suspenseful, so suspenseful. And the, um, the ending, <laughs> the yeah. ending of Tenebrae. You know, you know, Maybe we'll and, save that for another episode, but well, it is know, a and, wild ending. And, and Argento was kind of ahead of, on the, uh, ahead of the curve in some ways because there was a, um, a trans woman actor in the film, an actor who was a trans woman. And she was in the um, flashback sequences. Uh-huh. And her name is uh, Eva, Eva Robbins. And so, you know, she was in the cast and she figured into the plot a great deal. Only, but you never, I don't think, I don't remember hearing her speak. You only saw her in flashback sequences. So the, um, there, there were things that Argento, you know, in his films back in the day that he employed in terms of, from a more um, cultural aspect and a societal aspect where you go, oh, okay. Like in Deep Red, the accused character in the film, who was the friend of David Hemmings' character, played by Gabriel Lavia, I believe mm-hmm. his character was gay. I believe his character was gay. They, yeah, I think they insinuated yeah, he, that he was gay, and it was kind was of gay. not. It, it was part of why he was like supposedly sexually confused or something or other. Yeah. But it turned it. It turned out to be a red herring. It turned out to a be a non-issue. It turned out to be a non-issue. And it, so mm-hmm. it, it seemed at first like they were setting it up to be like a major plot point, his homosexuality. Yeah. But really, it was just like, no, in fact, no. that was just a distraction. And yeah, <laughs> I love being a big gay distraction. Yeah, it was very fascinating, um, you know, his films from a cultural aspect even. Yeah, yeah. You know, with, with Inferno, the, the way, that had a great score by the late, great Keith Emerson of Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Oh, it wasn't um, Goblin. No, it was uh, mm-hmm. Keith Emerson, uh, who was a rock star, and he so had a, they, they stayed in kind of the same vein there. Yeah, his score was more orchestral. Mm-hmm. Uh, he composed. Oh, that's a, right. Yeah. Yeah, he composed a wonderful score the following year for Nighthawks, the Sylvester Stallone, Billy D. Williams actioner, <laughs> with the late great Mr. Rutger <laughs> Hauer playing Thanks. the main villain. Oh, uh, you know I'm... <laughs> I do, I do. I know you know, because you know you know. You know you know See, everything. Not, not, oh, nah. no. No, there are many more out there that know more of than course. me. Uh, I mean, but you're way up there. I, I mean, we do unfortunately have to wrap up soon. Is there anything else about Suspiria that you wanted to bring up? That final shot where you see Miss Jessica, yes, where you see Miss Jessica walking away and she's smiling. She said that wasn't in the script. It was something she did. And they kept it. If I stabbed that, a witch with a peacock feather, I'd be smiling too. 
<laughs> that that old that big old plume. But she yeah, and that whole that tongue of fire exploding the, you know, that the explosion. Then you hear the witches screaming and then mm-hmm. you hear the, the It's a great uh, final theme. sequence. It's even yeah. they they said in the advertising I love watching the trailer because they filmed this like they filmed separate footage for the trailer. They don't do That's that right. anymore. And it was this woman singing and putting an iris in her hair. And yeah. then they turn her around. And it's, and it's... a skull with a, <laughs> with a black wig of, of women's hair on top of it. And then, and then at the end of the trailer, the, the voiceover says, the only thing more terrifying than the final 12 minutes of... Or the first 90. Or the first 90. I'm like, or those are some 90. very arbitrary yeah. numbers, but I love, I love an right? ad campaign like that. I thought it was brilliant. I, and I remember that trailer very well. You, you can find it on YouTube. Oh, it's uh, a but, great trailer. But, but it's a, such a great trailer, you know? And it was so simple. It was so simple. But, you know, yeah. the... Um, but you know, I love that end credit sequence yeah. so much. I love that whole ending, the ending sequence. You have the iconic theme playing over you. It just comes in that <laughs> with the drumming and the, and the guitar, and, and oh, it's, it's just genius. I and, could just and listen to the score all day. I could gag score, on just the score. The score is genius, way ahead of its time. It's an it's an auditory just um, assault on the senses when you hear. All the, you know, just the, the, the mixing, yeah. the, co- the, 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 the sound mixing is quite well done. It's genius. Oh, yes. And you know, I love my goblin. Uh, uh, we, we have to talk about Dawn of the Dead next in the next podcast. We have to talk about that. We do. Sometimes I find that movie to be a bit plotting. It depends on the cut I you do. watch. It, hmm. it, 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 it depends on the cut you watch. Because Argento did a more action-focused version. Oh, he his did cu- an edited. His, he edited because he produced version. it. Right, Because right, right. he, he he produced it, so he um, edited had a more action-oriented version, which played over in, in Europe. Oh. Uh, where because I have all the versions actually, because it's a limited edition um, set. There was some one cut where the Goblin score isn't used as effectively, and where I'm just like, eh. Mm-hmm. But um, because the score, the Goblin score is so iconic for that film as well. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And, uh, and that score is also genius in its own way. <laughs> and, but it also used a lot of library cues, a lot of uh, stock music. Um, and that was a way that uh, Romero could save money. And because yeah. uh, he did that with Knights of the Living Dead. Uh, but Day of the Dead had the complete original score by John Harrison, which was. Uh, which was wonderful. I have a special and place in my gross little heart for Day of the Dead. We have to do one on that one too. I love it. But no, Suspiria is is a special one, and it really is. It's it's a work of art, you know. And it I'm is. So I would definitely with the appreciation definitely give it that it's got you know, over the years and as time has mm-hmm. gone on, where people because it's one of the greatest horror films of all time. I know that I'm gonna get to a point i mean i am only 197 but in a couple centuries i know i'm going to get to a point where where the youngsters are going to be like suspiria oh i love i love tilda swinton and i'm going to be like oh i was talking about the original who should have been who should have been oscar nominated for that oh i think she should i think she should have really should have gotten should have gotten three Three Oscar should, nominations. Well, you know, when I saw that, I said, she's playing Marcos. Ain't this a bitch? When I saw this in the film, in the cinema, right? Because, you know, she underplayed that she yeah. wasn't playing. Uh, I wonder she wasn't if pl- one day Luca Guadagnino is going to get an award, just tear off his beard, and he's going to be Tilda Swinton underneath, <laughs> <Probably>. too. <laughs> well, you know how they, you know, when she was playing the the uh, do, the, the elderly man. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
she she was trying to ride that joke for that ruse she for so long. Never and then she not couldn't. one word. And then just she couldn't anymore. She said, you know, it's me. Okay. But then but then she doubly but then she surprised us even more because no one knew she was playing Marcos. She's gonna be and Marcos then I, too. And I had and I had to look closely while I was watching it in the cinema and I said, that's Miss Tilda too. That's, that's Miss Tilda too. Ain't that I be, yeah, she was wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people I know that it's uh not a time to be going outside but if people want to find you online where can they where can they look at your stuff where can they get to you oh get to me oh I did. uh I just kidding um i did my i did my jessica lang uh neck grab i, I don't want jessica anyone lang. to I, get I, to me i did my my miss jessica lang neck grab you know her her um one of her moves, signature moves she Famous. goes <gasps> she does that uh, quite a bit in her movies and i live i live for a chat but no, I'm uh, I'm on the Facebooks, um, just Frank Instagram, Brisson. Instagrams, Frank uh, Brisson actor, Fra- Frank Brisson actor. Um, not on the Twitters anymore because I can't get into my accounts and I don't feel like creating a new one. Um, it's but garbage. The- <laughs> don't bother. Yeah, I don't even bother. Um, so yeah, those are my primary. You know, the Instas and the Facebooks and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yep. Oh, someone calling? <laughs> oh, that's my mom. I'll call her back. All right. Well, as usual, you can find me at Joshua Seibin says, and I want Frank to be able to call his mama. So I'm going to say thank you all so much. Like and subscribe and rate me five stars. And thank you again, Frank Britton, for joining me. I always love having you to talk to about all the many, 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 many things you know about movies. Oh, thank you, Josh Simon. Thank you for having me back. And I hope to have you back soon. And until we get to leave our apartments. Yes. Uh, I wish you all the best of luck with your own personal ballerina, witch covens. And until next time, you gorgeous goblins. Bye-bye. Bye now.